0: And welcome to Have You Seen. My name's Tom Webb. And I'm Kieran
1: Lafort. This is a new, hopefully weekly podcast in which we attempt to enlighten one another and with a bit of luck, anybody listening to great films we may not have seen. Each week we'll each pick a film the other hasn't seen to review on the next week's show
0: generally we'll be picking films that we like and we think the other one will like too but there's no real rigid criteria it may just be that there's a particular actor's performance that we think should be seen or maybe there's just one great scene in particular that we think stands out or just some amazing glorious moment of cinema that just has to be seen by everybody we've probably made this sound a little bit more complex than it actually is but i'm sure any discerning cultured listener out there you'll get the hang of it pretty soon
1: As this is the first show, we're doing things slightly differently. Prior to recording, we each picked a film for the other, and we've watched them. So what we will get is a pitch and a review and a pitch and a review, and then at the end, we'll each pitch each other movies for next week. That way, you'll get a full podcast. You won't just get five minutes of you should watch this because. I should also say that sound recording quality will probably improve over the life of this podcast, as will our banter and interaction will probably sound a little less stilted as the weeks go on. Um... I suppose we just dive into it, really. Absolutely, go for it. The film I picked for Tom uh, was Ip Man, which is a uh, Hong Kong film from 2008 directed by Wilson Yip. Uh, Your star is Donnie Yen, uh, who is the star of lots of other Hong Kong films, dating back uh, like hardcore Hong Kong movie fanatics will know him from movies like the Tiger Cage series uh, and
0: uh, Legend of
1: the Wolf. um,
0: Iron, Iron Monkey, was he in Iron Monkey?
1: I think he was in Iron Monkey, yes, yes you might have preempted a uh, 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 forthcoming week there, Webb. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, it's essentially a semi-biographical account of the man who had gone to become Bruce Lee's Wing Chun master. Uh, it's set in, uh, uh, during the Second World War in, in, in China, um, before and during the Japanese occupation. Um, I'm not making it sound tremendously exciting. Uh, and I guess at the heart of it, it is kind of a fairly serious drama. Uh, but, it's the this drama is is punctuated by some blistering martial arts action sequences i think it's fair to say there's quite a lot going on in this film the first time we see ip it, uh it's uh it's 1935 in fushan which is kind of a, a a wealthy town in china uh um the there's a you get a little blurb that comes up on the screen that says the the citizens practiced uh martial arts for fun and recreation rather than as kind of like a, a serious fighting style um uh, and Ip has a lot of stuff to deal with even before the japanese turn up there's uh, uh he's got uh simon yam who's a very well-known uh, hong kong character actor uh, essentially represents the west uh and he's suited and he's trying to persuade Ip to give up the martial arts lifestyle and join him in opening a cotton factory and embracing essentially embracing capitalism. There's a roaming gang of essentially what my notes call tough bastards who are just a bunch of scruffy ne'er-do-wells who show up and their leader starts challenging every martial arts master in town uh, and defeating them all and he will eventually work his way up to, to fighting it and that's something else he's got to deal with. His wi- He has problems with his wife and his son. He's, he's a fairly put-upon kind of guy um i 'm kind of veering veering off here i 'm supposed to be saying why I enjoy it um it 's hard to pin down why I enjoy it actually. I just like it um it could be a, a fairly bleak drama uh um but it 's good solid drama um uh like i said the the martial the martial arts stuff is all choreographed by summer hung like a legendary martial arts choreographer, actor, director. Uh, if you're not that familiar with Hong Kong films, you may have seen his short-lived US TV series, Martial Law. He's a big fat guy. He looks like a, a, a Kung Fu fighting panda bear. Essentially, he's probably what Kung Fu Panda is based on, if I'm honest. The look of the film is great. When you first see Foshan, it's really detailed and colourful and vibrant. And then once the Japanese invade, practically all the colour disappears from the film. There's scenes there's scenes of uh, of Ip fighting the Japanese guys, which are almost black and white, um, it's uh, yeah, it's really hard to sum up why I like it. It's lots of individual elements. Uh, in actual fact, it was a I rewatched it for this show, um, and it was a real joy to do so, like off of, uh, an HD Blu-ray because I originally saw it on a five-inch screen in the back of someone's seat in an aer- aeroplane. Um, so I'm kind of making a real hash of why I like this film. So I'm going to hand over to Tom, and he can he can tell you what he thought.
0: Well, to be honest, I was a bit. I wasn't sure what to make of this film when you actually pitched it or handed me the, the, the Blu-ray because I'm not a massive fan of Donnie Yen. I, to be honest, I'm a, I am a big fan of martial arts movies and I'd never heard of the director. Um, I think he's done more kind of modern day
1: style action movies. Right. I think he was uh, responsible for um, Flashpoint,
0: uh, right, okay. uh,
1: which I'm aware that you liked. And yeah, I well, well.
0: I, i'll be perfectly honest i haven't seen it. i've seen bits of it but i haven't actually seen the movie
1: you're getting pitched that in about six or eight weeks when people <laughs> have forgotten that we've already done a donnie yen film yeah, um, okay. well anyway. this,
0: that's the other thing is because um i, I hadn't really see, heard no much about the director donnie yen i'd seen not as a as a i've seen little bits of him before mm. but i was never that convinced mm. like i mean i've The martial arts movies I love are the ones from the 70s and the the mid-80s, and I've not really got into a lot of the modern Hong Kong movies. Um, So Donnie Yen isn't someone that I really kind of thought much about. I always thought he was a bit of a bland actor, to be honest. Mm. But, I mean, I loved Jackie Chan, Summer Hung, Yun Biao, Mm. all of those guys, you know, watching back there, all the 70s movies are fantastic. Um, So I was really surprised watching this film that has all the gloss and production value of a, like a really top-notch modern mm. Hong Kong movie but it really had the feel of a classic 70s mm. Hong Kong movie.
1: There was something I noted uh, while watching it again was that it looks expensive. This is not a yeah. cheap knockoff kung fu film. This is an expensive movie.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And it was one of the things that I think you can you can kind of tell that Ip Man is quite mythologized. In, in a way. It's,
1: yeah, similar to
0: like the Wong, way that... Uh, Wong
1: Fei-Hung. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, so
0: it's like, you know, in all the old 70s kung fu movies, you'd have Jackie Chan or Yunbian, They'd all play this uh, vagabond character, kind of Robin Hood guy called Wong Fei-Hung, who's based on a real legend. Um, and it strikes me that although if man is probably a well-documented real-life person, they'd kind of mythologised it a bit so that... The opening of the film before the Japanese invasion is quite colourful. It's quite bright, and it it looks a lot like a seventies kung fu movie. In in but with you know finer detail and better yeah. better film stock and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But the feel is there, and there's there's a real kind of sort of cheeky, uh, like the, a lot of the first fight sequences are very entertaining, and they've got a real kind of there's a comic vein that them. runs yeah. through them yeah and and it's and it feels very much like early Jackie Chan stuff and he, i was surprised at the the character that came out of Donnie Yen because i wasn't expecting that and i really started to enjoy it um and then when the japanese invade it's just like bang completely different tone yeah and the cinematography changes and it's and it's dark and it's mm. grim and it's it's almost like going from 70s kung fu movie to 60s british Sort of kitchen sink drama in a way, but (laughs) But with kung kung fu in it, and it was—I really liked it. And I, you know, I love—I love love kind of history anyway. So any any kind of historical drama, I'm kind of intrigued by. Um, So it was really good, and you know, I loved the choreography by Sammo Hung, which is, you know, it's always going to be entertaining and a bit brutal. And that's kind yeah, of his trademark. Samma,
1: Samma Hung's choreography has an edge that Jackie Chan's doesn't. Jackie yeah. Chan's stuff is very much played for laughs. It's I love Jackie Chan, and I hesitate to say this, but Jackie Chan's choreography is, look at what I can do, look at the cool stuff I can do. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Samma Hung's is very much based on the character, mm. and there'll be flamboyant stuff, but there's a hard edge to it. People who Jackie Chan hits don't bleed yeah people who get hit in a summer hung fight scene they bleed their knuckles uh bruise up from hitting people yeah. all that kind of stuff
0: yeah i mean I've, i think in the notes i made while i was watching it i summed it up as it's kind of like it's got the the feel of a classic kung fu movie but it's as it, if a 70s kung fu movie had been made with all of the benefits of modern day filming techniques yeah um and you know and there's 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 this absolutely brutal fight between it man and ten Japanese soldiers. I
1: I noted uh, about that as well. Yeah, I
0: called it yen versus ten. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Um, and it, it's again, it's got a real brutal edge to it, and the choreography is so fast, I and mean, it's not. It doesn't look. You know, occasionally you fight sequences, you you crank up the the frame mm. rate and you speed it up a little bit just to help the actor look. Mm. like his, But this, I mean, it just looks. Well, like the in, the in speed
1: real. is one of the things he's known for and he does in the movies he's directed himself he does under crank and right. kind of speed up mm-hmm. speed up the film uh but here yeah, you're right that didn't look the case you, you're thinking of the same thing I am where he's standing over that guy absolutely, actually pummeling him into limbo position with punch after punch yeah. after punch yeah. and it's like 10-15 punches a second I know. is it, what it yeah. feels like
0: it, it, it reminded
1: me of uh, and then I think he steps on his head
0: Yeah, it, <laughs> it reminded me of um, uh, it reminded me of Street Fighter with yeah, E. like the, the punch of a thousand palms or whatever yeah. it's called it, it, was, it was that kind of thing and it, it, although that in itself the way we're describing it sounds very unrealistic in mm. the setting and the way it was choreographed, made it look it natural makes and it makes, makes perfect sense. Yeah. And the character in it as well is his point.
1: The point of the character in that scene is I am going to show all these Japanese: you don't mess with a Chinese guy.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Once you've invaded his country and you know killed his countrymen and taken his rice, and essentially he's fighting ten guys for a bag of rice. Yeah. That's the reward for winning. Mm-hmm. Um, don't mess with Ip Man. Is the, is, is the overriding point of that scene,
0: essentially. And, I, and I, I, what I also found interesting and wasn't expecting was the one one fact that I knew about Ip Man before seeing this film was that he was the the man that taught Bruce Lee. And this whole movie takes place before you even before he even encounters bruce lee so there's a
1: photo of bruce lee at the end yeah there I think,
0: is i think there's a there's a tiny little roundup isn't there about what yeah, he went on to which happened I, afterwards, I, yeah. I think it was probably a, just in case we don't do a sequel um yes here's what happened yes, next yes. sort of montage um so yeah i was actually really impressed by donnie yen and just the movie in general and the story was really gripping and just you know i know it was slightly mythologized and maybe some of the history might be a bit off but i i was fascinated by all of that anyway and i would love to see the sequels to find out what happens to those people and what happened to those characters um so you know like i said i, I really would recommend it it was a really great film
1: awesome there is there is one sequel uh, in which you get to see donnie yen versus Samuel Hung. he turns up as a, a a master of a different martial art and they Right. Kind of take each other on. Yen has said he does not want to do a third one, even though it was pl- allegedly planned as a trilogy from the beginning.
0: Well, that's kind of interesting. Have you seen the second one? I haven't. No. Okay. Perhaps we'll perhaps we'll come back to Ip Man to series later in the yeah the, maybe, in we the, in the maybe we will maybe
1: we will. The one of the interesting things uh, I noted, and this is this is a credit to Sammo Hung type thing. The guy who plays the Japanese general, General Mura, who's like the the real hard nut that yeah uh, that. it's not really giving away that it man fights at the end
0: yeah
1: he uh the only martial art he'd ever done was judo okay which contains no strikes Mm. and he'd never done a fight scene before in his life
0: wow now samah
1: hung makes him look like a killer
0: wow i have to say that yeah no i would never have i would never have guessed that no me neither
1: i was shocked when i read that uh, well, that, that's one of Sammo Hung's things, I guess, is he's very able to take non-fighters and make them look credible. There's a movie he made in the '80s where his wife has a big part, and right. she's never fought, but she was a dancer, mm. uh, and he makes her look amazing in that film. I, and he did the same with this—I uh, yeah. skipping out on his name—this Japanese actor in the, yeah. in this film.
0: I guess uh, Michelle Yeoh's another prime example. She was one of the she was a, a dancer who was then brought in with by you know Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung, and they taught yeah. her to do fighting. I guess, mm. you know, people probably would have seen obviously you know things like flying uh, crouching tiger hidden dragon and stuff which like which i that.
1: recall somebody in this room fell asleep during i
0: did i yeah. hated that film <laughs> I, yeah see now to me that's why i was a bit kind of you know seeing films like that house of flying daggers and hero which all look lovely hmm. i just couldn't get into any of them which is why i was a bit kind of not sure about this film and why i was so pleasantly surprised and really pleased that i liked it
1: excellent I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Uh, it's easy to get hold of. I hope other people seek it out. I got the Blu-ray for a fiver, uh, and the DVD, I imagine, will be even cheaper than that. Um, and it's, it's easy to get hold of, and I'm pretty sure it was shown on uh, on Film 4 a, a couple of months ago. So it's doing the rounds. It's easy, it, man, is easy to get hold of and is well worth your time. Uh, Mr. Webb, let's talk about the film you set for me, Pitch It
0: okay so when we first started talking about doing this podcast i was trying to come up with ideas for films to pitch kieran and i thought well yeah no there's a few that i'd like to 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 pitch him stuff i knew he hadn't seen and i wasn't necessarily going to start with the one that i picked but i found a quote which to me i thought you know this this would be a good one to start with and uh that quote was beyond a doubt the best movie ever made it's possibly better than any film that will ever be made in the future. And I thought, well, how can you know that? What higher praise can you start with for a film for something like this?
1: See, when I heard that quote, I thought, I don't know, I didn't know where he was going to pitch me. It was, uh, Citizen Kane's. No, I've seen that. Uh, what else could he possibly have?
0: Yeah, I think you were quite surprised when I came up with Faster Pussycat, Kill, Kill. Yes. Which uh, <laughs> to you also
1: haven't explained who that quote is attributed to.
0: No, that quote is attributed to John Walters. Yes. which, you know, say what you like about John Walters. I you know. <laughs> Take that as you will. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so basically I picked Faster Pussycat Kill Kill, which was directed by the legendary, some people say auteur, Russ Mayer. Um, it was made in 1965, and it's basically the story of three go-go dancers who love fast cars and they, they drive around and, you know, just around the America and it's very kind of got a very Americana feel to it despite the fact they all drive British sports cars. Apart of, That's well, actually, something I hadn't noticed. They, they've all got European sports cars. I think there's two MGs, uh, a, a Porsche, and uh, I've got it written down somewhere, actually. And, um, yeah, you can two tell who's the
1: car guy out of yeah, us. Uh,
0: yeah, exactly. Two MGs, a Porsche, and a Triumph, which when I was watching, I was just like, where, where did they get those from? But who knows? Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm getting away from the point. Anyway, So they, they the main catalyst for the story... Is they encounter a young couple on some salt flats and they decide to race. And they have this race, and um, things don't go too well, and they decide to kidnap the girl and use her to extort some money. Um, on their way through kind of the, the, the rural towns and stuff like that, they stop off and they bump into this uh, creepy old man uh, who's, who's got. I think he's he's in a wheelchair and he's got this huge son who carries him around. Who's a bit stupid. They call him the vegetable. The, they? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Which, uh, and the uh, gas attendant lets off that this this old man has got loads of money stashed away, and they think brilliant. This is this is this is our next mark. We're going to use this girl that we've got hostage. We're going to go to this guy and we're going to use all of our feminine wiles to extort and steal this money. Um so it's kind of interesting given that it's a 60s movie Uh, Russ Mayer is was originally famed for making what were called Skin Flicks which were basically lots of busty women without their tops on jumping about for the pleasure of the audience and this is kind of this was one of his first departures from that and into a more serious style of filmmaking it still features lots of busty women but they tend I was to, keep... to say it's not much of a departure well no it is slightly i mean is it they, they they keep their clothes on them in this one at least yeah um you know but they do uh they are very very strong central female characters um and the reason i really really like it is because you don't really get films made in this sort of style anymore this kind of really I suppose it's an, an exploitation film. Uh, there's It's been a, absolutely an exploitation absolutely, film. Absolutely, yeah. But the thing about it is that you, you look at it on the surface and you think, well, you know, these are, you know, busty young women who are being exploited, but it's not. It's them who are doing the exploiting, which was kind of a spin on all the other movies that were around at the same time. Hmm. Um, and it's been such a huge influence on filmmakers... Throughout the generations, if you think there would be no sort of Death Proof or Pulp Fiction, particularly, I mean, the the influence on Tarantino alone is huge. If you listen to the style of the dialogue, if you, I mean, if you watch Death Proof, it's pretty much a rip off of Vanishing Point and Russ Mayer films. Um, You know that that's just basically, you know, one of the things that has has come from this movie. Um, It's quite brutal. Yes. And it is, I mean, it's rated 18, um, but there's no, there's no nudity, there's no sex, there's no swearing. There is some violence, and it's pretty brutal violence, but it's not bloody, particularly. But the reason I think it's got that certificate is because the, ma- the, the main end sequence is a fight between a man and a woman, which in the, uh, in the mid-60s would have been
1: unheard of. I did actually go onto the BBFC website and try to find out why it had an 18 certificate. Okay. It's been released on DVD twice in the UK. Right. And both of those releases predate the BBFC putting up detailed descriptions right. of their of their uh, decisions online. Okay. So I can't actually find out why it had an 18 certificate. That's interesting actually.
0: No, I didn't think to actually try and try and look yeah. look that up, but I I'd, I'd love to know why it still has a cuz I you know, to me you could probably get away with a 15. Probably. I would think, you know, but, like I say, one of the reasons I really like it is just because, you know, people don't really make films in that vein anymore. Um, and I think it, it was something that – it was a very bold move to make in that time. Mm. Um, and the thing about Russ Mayer is that he he's one of those people, a bit like um, Robert Rodriguez. He did everything. He wrote – he. Directed, he produced, he did, you know, all sorts of things. Um, so, you know, his kind of body of work has been separated out. And some people love it, some people hate it. Mm. One of the um, things I
1: noticed was there was a, there were maybe twelve names in the list of credits, mm. and approximately that many people on screen as well. Yeah, it was just a very very small mm. crew, very small cast.
0: Absolutely, and and you know, you'd be hard pushed to find. Uh, these the people in this film in anything else other than that's true than, yeah. than like TV sh- like sixties TV shows or yeah. or was, other, other Russ Mayer films. There was one
1: guy I looked up in particular, and the only thing on his resume I recognised other than this film was Land of the Giants. Well, I there think he's go, exactly. two Episodes as yeah. two different characters, Brilliant.
0: and I mean one of the in- really intriguing things about this film is the lead actress uh, whose name is uh, Tura Santana. Hmm. Um, she had the weirdest past. Um, which is pretty dark, and I won't go into a a lot of it here, but maybe on the the Twitter feed I'll I'll put up a link to... Like a Wikipedia page or, or okay. a biography or something. Cause... I know she
1: was pregnant during the shooting of this film, and Russ Meyer yeah. waited until she was pregnant because it made her boobs bigger.
0: Really? No, yes. I didn't find that fact. Yeah. That's kind of he delayed.
1: He delayed the start of filming until right. it was confirmed that she was pregnant. Wow! And that her her bust had enlarged.
0: That that's mm. interesting because I I do know that she used to model when she was younger, and I mean I'm talking when she was a teenager, and. Um, she actually posed nude for photographs taken by the legendary silent comic Harold Lloyd. Which, to me, are you sure that's not just Harold Lloyd's private collection? Quite of, possibly. Of, um, quite. I don't know. It's, to me, I was just yeah, just like. Yeah, Okay that I wasn't expecting to find his name associated with her. She went apparently she, she dated Elvis for a while as well. Um so she's Was she the Kevin Bacon of the 60s? I, I, I think everybody yeah, her, her, somewhere or another. Absolutely. but I tell you what if if uh, people can find a little biography of her, uh, it would make a fantastic movie. All right. Uh, and in fact there are elements of it which it wouldn't surprise me if it had influenced uh, Quentin Tarantino in the creation of Kill Bill. Which uh, you know is yeah she's an interesting lady so hopefully you know we'll put up a link to to some info, um yeah so I think I've pretty much summed up why I like it and why I think that it's may not be to everyone's taste but it's kind of an important moment for for B movies really um so so that's my argument so now we'll uh, we'll get to hear exactly what Kieran thought of it I think it's easier to
1: start off listing the things i liked about it because it's not going to take very long excellent okay um i like the cinematography okay uh even though it's four by three and stark black fairly stark black and white yeah uh uh there's some really good framing really good shot composition i like that a lot Mm. yeah um what else did i like hold on (laughs) there's some very funky music there's some awful music but there's some really
0: funky music especially at the yeah. beginning of the film yeah there, I, there is a brilliant theme tune that if you if, yeah yeah if, it plays over the end credits <laughs> yeah, doesn't it and it's it's like if if you uh, think to yourself 60s B-movie and someone's just gone to some band and said play me a theme song It, I mean it's yeah, it just sounds like you know California in the 60s it couldn't yeah, get yeah. Any, you know, any closer
1: yeah um what else uh we're coming towards the end of the things I liked. Uh, right. During the Salt Flats race, the stuntmen were really going for it. You can tell Absolutely. they were yeah. hammering it around, the, especially around the corners. Yeah,
0: well, that's the thing I would say. Um, I, I did put in my notes, I didn't mention it in my pictures, that I think the car sequence is actually really pretty good. Um mm. The thing, I, the thing that really kind of shows it up is what they call poor man's process, which is something they used to do on the Dukes of Hazard oh, a hell of a yeah, lot, yeah. when they had no money to do in-car stuff. And they frame the shots of people in cars so you can't see out the windows. So you can't see the cars not moving and they're just, like the grips or whatever, are just rocking it a bit. And that's the only thing for me that lets it down a little bit.
1: The only difference in this film is you can see out of the windows, they're framing well, so you can see a completely non-moving sky yeah okay that's and yeah it's very 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 obvious that these when the women are behind the wheel these cars ain't going nowhere <laughs>
0: yeah yeah so that that does let it down but i think the stuntmen kind of make up for it in their enthusiasm they,
1: they certainly hoon around the salt flats yeah. definitely yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah, I didn't like this very much. No, oh, no, the no. other thing I liked—I watched the extra, Some of the extras on the DVD. The trailer's okay. awesome. If really? If I'd just seen the trailer, I'd want to see the movie.
0: Excellent. Or well, maybe, it's maybe just insanity. Maybe we will try and find a link yeah, for the trailer uh, uh, as well. I we'll think stick it We it on, should.
1: Yeah, we'll stick it on Twitter. I think we should. It doesn't start very well with the uh, voiceover man mispronouncing plethora. Right. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's <laughs> just you being a
0: grammar sir. So no, 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 <laughs> no, not
1: at all. The other thing I liked—the old guy, the guy in the wheelchair. Yes. Awful actor, great voice.
0: Yes. But I mean, he.
1: He's the, he's the best of 12 very bad actors. In oh, this yeah, film. yeah. The acting is poor. The Italian woman. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Did yeah. she have her accent written into the dialogue? Yeah. Because it's all a like a this it's, all of the time. That's because she's French Canadian. Pretending to be Italian. Pretending, pretending oh, to be Italian. Good God.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I have to say, I think you're right. The, the, I find the old man incredibly mm. sinister. That's the thing oh, about God, yeah. this movie is well, that, that's
1: kind of the point of it. Well,
0: exactly, yeah, but I mean that's the point of the movie. There's no real kind of hero or likable character. They're all pretty nasty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, that's part of the reason I quite, a, you know, quite a bold move that you don't often get in Hollywood films these days.
1: The uh, one of the things I I I likened it to two things. Okay. Um Firstly, uh, due to the terrible acting and the busty women, and all the rest of it, it's like watching porn, but nobody ever has sex. <laughs> it's all the stuff in between the sex scenes. It's right. st- it's bad, stilted dialogue. Yeah, reasonable looking women with the blonde, for example. Yeah, from the neck down, she's wonderful. But right. yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, it's, yeah, it's reasonable looking women with big breasts. Terrible dialogue, terrible acting. The beefcake on the other side of the screen, the, the vegetable yeah. is just a ridiculously jacked up man. Yeah, he and yeah he's massive. Yeah. yeah, it looks like it's about to be porn, but no clothes ever come off.
0: No, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: The other thing I likened it to, I will admit, well, we might as well admit from show one. One of my vices is professional wrestling. I'm a wrestling fan, unashamedly. Can't help myself, and it was like watching bad wrestling. Right. Alliances shifting and changing for no reason. Terrible acting, terrible fake com, uh, terrible fake combat, and scantily clad women <laughs> and the big jacked up dude. It was like watching cheap pro wrestling. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way. Also, but got- everybody shouts all the time. Yeah, which is also very much like pro wrestling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, see, now you seem to have come up with quite a strong list of things you liked about it. I didn't say I liked it. <laughs> Every line
1: is either hip sixties daddyo slang or awful exposition. Bad yeah. writing is something that sticks out to me a lot in movies. Mm. For example, I can't watch Star Wars because all I hear is the appalling script. Right, I can I can pick out bad exposition at fifty yards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's something that if I if I try and write something, I try and disguise and hide all the exposition. And yeah. so it's not so obvious so when it is obvious it really sticks out to me and this film oh good god yeah I wish the Razzies had been invented in the 60s because <laughs> the guy playing Eldest Son who was easily in his 40s right it, uh, yes or yeah, <laughs> well, looked it
0: oh yeah but the old man could have easily been in his 70s this is true but yeah.
1: Eldest Son and mm. French Canadian Italian woman yeah, would they, have won worst actor and worst actress even among that cast <laughs> can, 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 you, can you there's th- one there's one line in my notes here
0: Okay. I'm going to read it verbatim. Okay. Oh God, the blondes trying to act drunk. Saints preserve us. <laughs> yeah, that I have to say, I, I know that some people say that acting drunk is is very difficult, and yeah. and you know less is more, and all that. And yeah, I have to agree that her drunk acting is is it's like watching a six-year-old acting drunk after her sober yeah.
1: acting wasn't.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, it's not a very good foundation to base on <laughs> anymore. Really, no, and, <laughs> and then, then you
1: involve. Alcohol, air yeah. quotes. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, I have also written in very large letters. This must have been in relation to the fight scenes. Judo chop! <laughs> Everybody, the the the, uh, the lead woman has a, has a deadly judo chop that she uses to uh, subdue all these men.
0: Well, interesting enough, she did actually uh, spend a lot of time uh, prior to this when she was a, a young woman uh during a Hello, harold lord porno uh, yeah yeah phase. she 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 got trained in uh karate and aikido
1: so, really Because yeah. none of that comes across on screen no absolutely none.
0: no i suspect i do wonder um the credits aren't really that in depth i do wonder if there was uh because at the time obviously a hollywood stunt man or choreographer mm-hmm. would, would have given you know, would have choreographed a cowboy brawl because that that's what they did this is true it, yes yes Yes. you know you know it wasn't to the point where martial arts, uh, you know, any fight sequence in any film ever no, has no, to be martial arts I'm, now. I'm
1: thinking compare this, this allegedly trained martial artist in this film with the non-trained Japanese work, guy yeah. from, uh, <laughs>
0: fair from Point. Fair yeah. point.
1: <laughs> it's fair, I think it's pretty fair to say this wasn't my favourite film. I'm hoping you don't give me any more Russ Meyer films. Oh, well, my, my overriding feeling was what was the point?
0: Yeah, that's... Yeah,
1: fair. I mean, well... I'm aware I've probably just dumped all over a classic and probably some hipster's favourite movie. But, yeah, it didn't do an awful lot for me.
0: Yeah, no, I, th- I think that the... the you, you said, what what is the point? I think the point of it at the time was pushing what was allowed to be on film. Um,
1: didn't mean in terms of the movie and where it fitted in with movies of the time. I meant... I don't know what I meant
0: in the plot. You mean just I guess, as a, a yeah, story? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, to be honest, I th- I, th- I think that the primary concern was more about making a film, uh, making an exploitation film with powerful female characters, and that was brutal and violent. Uh, in fact, I actually, guess so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, the, the Russ Mayer titled the film "Faster Pussycat Kill Kill" because he believed that a movie has everything when it contains speed, which is faster sex which is pussycat and violence which is kill kill so violence twice lots of violence exactly so basically i mean you can see from that statement that that, yeah. that is what he was aiming for mm. and, and basically i think he was just trying to challenge uh the view because at the time i mean the rating system i mean it would have been x-rated and it would have been very it would have been probably very difficult to see this movie unless it was in like a CD flea pit yeah. probably even like a like a porno cinema or something like that you'd you'd probably have a hard push to find it outside of that but i think it was it, that was the the point of it it was it was you know to to push the boundaries of you know what was acceptable on film at the time which now looking back on it we were wondering why it was an eighteen you know
1: that's a good point. Yeah, the, the, the uh, I'm all for pushing boundaries and challenging the system, but I you like a plot. It. I prefer to do it with a better film. <laughs> no,
0: fair enough. Absolutely fair enough. Um, well, after the resounding success of Faster Pussycat <laughs> Kill Kill, um, hopefully you'll like the next movie that I'm going to pitch for you. Um, which to recap for our viewers, you haven't seen this yet, and will be. I don't hit. even know
1: what it is. Let well, alone haven't seen exactly. It. This is, so this is double blind. Yeah.
0: So basically, we'll we'll be getting your response to this next week. Um, but I have again gone for a classic B-movie, but this time it's a classic sci-fi B-movie.
1: Things are looking up.
0: Yeah, it's called The Andromeda Strain. I have at least heard of it. That's a start. Uh, It was made in 1971, and the basic plot is a US military satellite returns to Earth in a town. It crash lands in a town, and people start to die. And it's about the crew of scientists that they send in to recover the satellite and just figure out what's going on. That's the plot. Okay, good. Um, Nice and simple. Um, What I really love about this film, again, is it shows you how filmmaking has changed. Because currently in cinemas, well, recently in cinemas, I should say, uh, there's a film called Contagion, Mm -hmm. which is about uh, an outbreak, an, an epidemic outbreak. Which has a similar theme to the, to, the, to Andromeda Strain, but it's full of stars. It's all about the global scale. It's, you know, it's satellite imagery of the world, and it's you know people in different countries, you know people dealing with it in different ways. Whereas this, it's four people in an underground lab. That's it. So and not even how it affects the town. No, it's the four lab. people in a okay. lab. Well, slightly more than four people. There's four scientists in a lab. Right. There's a baby. And an old drunk doesn't really count as a cast member. No, and, and an old drunk man who they found alive and the baby they found alive in the town. They're the only two people they find alive and they don't know why. So basically, they've got the satellite, they've got the baby and they've got the drunk old man. And they've got to figure out. And they
1: have to get these strings, three things across the river before one of them meets <laughs> the other two.
0: No, they have to figure out what the baby and the man have in common because whatever they have in common must be the antidote. To whatever the satellite has brought back, or whatever it is doing that has caused these deaths. Um, what's really interesting about this film? It was written as a novel by a man called Michael Crichton, who people Jurassic Park may have heard of from Jurassic Park. Yeah. This was the first
1: Westworld, e- in fact. Yeah, now, science going wrong is his theme. It is, yeah. yeah,
0: pretty much. And basically, this was the first ever Crichton novel to be made into a movie. Um, as a kind of a, a flashy show-off move by Universal Studios, they said, why don't you come over to the studio lot and we'll, we'll get someone to take you around. Uh, the man who took him around was Steven Spielberg, who was like a, a runner <laughs> at the time, like an intern at the time. And he, get, he was given the job of giving this, this guy uh, a, a guided tour of the studio. Um, it was directed by Robert Wise, who did West Side Story, the Day the Earth Stood Still, The Sound of Music, and Star Trek: The Motion Picture.
1: That's quite the CV. It is, yeah.
0: And this is a B movie, mm. so you know there's some there's some pretty decent pedigree in here already with just with those two names. Mm-hmm. Um, the cast, you would be hard pushed to have heard of any of them. Mm. Um, I went through their their CVs. The only film that I was like, oh right, yeah, okay, yeah, i I've, I've seen that. Well, you know, there was a couple. There was one guy who's in who's in commando, the Arnie film. Okay. Uh as some general. Uh there was the one of the other guys was in a bridge too far as one of the many, many people in a bridge too far. Um the, the He could
1: have just said that, to be honest.
0: Yeah, well, exactly, yeah, who knows? Uh the third uh guy in it uh was in Arsenic and Old Lace, hmm. which, you know, is an old old comedy. And then there's a uh, a woman in it called Kate Reed who who has a brilliant uh, role and follows the, the the golden rule of brilliant female roles in that it was written for a man and they just put a skirt on it. Yeah, decide yeah. decided that why not? Why couldn't she be a woman? Mm. And she's brilliant in it. Them the majority of these guys were in every single uh, TV show in the sixties and seventies. Mm. They were in all of the stuff, like all of the old uh, western shows that were in the 50s they were in all of the sci-fi shows in the 60s so they were pretty much tv actors and that was a conscious decision by robert wise and the screenwriter and michael crichton because they decided you've got four or five people in a lab the last thing you want to do is have paul newman or robert redford in there who you know is going to survive yeah so it was a conscious decision that going in the audience just anyone's up for grabs anyone can die so you've got this brilliant kind of tension in that you, you really don't know what's going to happen at any given point. Um, Would well, you mentioned Contagion, which
1: uses a similar but opposite trick where it's full of stars absolutely. and therefore anybody's up for grabs. Absolutely. It's no secret that they kill off Gwyneth Paltrow in the first 10 minutes.
0: Exactly. So it's one of those things where... I but, might have just spoiled Contagion for a lot of people. That's fine. it um, looks very ill on the poster. Yeah. Come on. It's, uh, it, but that's, that's one of the things. Back then, they didn't have the budget to do that. No. Whereas now... Yeah. You know, they, well,
1: yeah, and Steven Soderbergh just just yeah. says, "I'm making a movie. Come join me." Exactly, and everybody yeah. does.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I re- I really love this film. There, it's one of those things. As these podcasts go on, I think people start to realise that I have a particular love for a certain type of cinematography in filmmaking, which. Is pretty much solely in the seventies and sixties. There's certain aspects of filming that I really love, and certain tricks and editing techniques that people don't use anymore. So, for example, this this film was nominated for two Oscars: uh, one for editing, and the other for art direction. Um, the editing there's there's a, a brilliant scene where two of the scientists they're all suited up and they're walking down the street, and you, you it cut and basically that all of the screen goes black apart from. A small rectangle a portrait rectangle around one of the scientists and he walks along the outside of these houses and looks in the window and as he looks in the window on the other side of the screen in the blackness a square or a rectangle or a smaller image of what he can see gets shown okay so it's a continuous shot of him and as he goes to each house you get these different shots of what he's looking at and the devastation caused i'm stealing that it's 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 brilliant. It's yeah. such a simple technique, yeah. and it, it just looks so great. Um, and again, the art direction. Basically, most of the most of the action takes place in this underground lab of many layers, and conveniently, each layer is a different colour, and the safest place to be is at the bottom because that's where they can contain whatever this is the best so the idea is they've got to get down to the bottom layer before they can even start figuring out what's going on and that's going to take 16 hours right so what you get is a little montage of how they go down each level and a few scenes interspersed as they and basically every like for the first first level all the walls are red they wear red boiler suits they do their little cleansing technique on that level. The bo- you see the boiler suits fall down a hole into a furnace, and the next level is all yellow, and they're wearing yellow boiler suits, and they go through the next process. You see the boiler suits go down through a thing. So there's, there's really nice little techniques that they keep using. And, uh, the, you know, the art direction that is really simple. All mm. they did was use the same corridors, just paint them different colours. Brilliant. They create what appears to be a 3D map of the facility. And the complex way they did it in camera using projection and camera techniques and overlaid film, which now you you look at it now and you think you just do that in a computer program or you yeah. just animate it hand draw or whatever you know they they figured out this really unique technique to make it look better than if it was hand animated hmm. but not quite CGI standard because it didn't exist um so <laughs> you know there's some fantastic little Tricks and stuff in it, and it just—it's got a really great feel to it, and that you know that's why I love it. So
1: you're getting very passionate about
0: this. I know it's a great film. It makes me want to see it. It's good. good. Excellent. I like this. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else I want to mention about it um, before I wrap up. Um,
1: Apart from the fact you've forgotten to bring the DVD in for me. Yeah, I did. Yeah, okay, I'm good gonna...
0: um, Like most 70s and 60s movies, this possibly has one of the greatest, if not one of the longest, taglines. Uh, that went on the poster but the whole point of the tagline is to be short and snappy and help market the film well absolutely but this tagline although slightly long is brilliant it is the picture lasts 130 minutes the story covers 98 of the most critical hours in man's history the suspense will last through your lifetime
1: that's pretty epic
0: it it? is how brilliant is that for a b-movie like you mentioned earlier a vein of michael crichton's novels and the films that came of them is science gone wrong and like any good michael crichton story this is rooted in real science okay so it's got this grounding and that really adds to it because you audience as an audience you can relate to it and you know for me that's the the best kind of thing you feel the claustrophobia and you feel thing um i can think
1: of any number of science fiction films which just kind of kind of doesn't have that grounding yeah. and you think oh come on yeah if only really? they thought of a
0: better yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but it, the, if if there's one thing that i think you won't like about it it's the pacing okay um it's quite slow in places and 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 probably could be you know i guess we're used to watching modern films adverts yeah. and stuff where we're used to fast cutting and mm. and just basically not showing anything unless you absolutely have to see it whereas this is a bit more slow and Lethargic's not really the word, but, yeah, it's got a bit of Considered. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But hopefully you'll like it, um, and I really look forward to hearing what you've got to say about it next week. Excellent. Well, I'm looking looking forward to seeing it.
1: For you, I have brought, uh, and I'm just going to lean down here and get it. Okay. Okay. Team America, World Police. Excellent. This is less have you seen, more I'm surprised you haven't seen, particularly given... You and your wife's tastes in comedies, right? Um, uh, yeah, a few times a year, I will hear a quote from this movie just slip out in conversation, and you just look blank.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, no. yeah.
1: No, uh, I should probably we'll do we'll do the explanation of what it is. Really, uh, okay. uh, 2004. It's by the guys who made South Park, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, uh, and it's uh, it's a an action satire comedy with puppets. Okay. Entirely with puppets. In Mm -hmm. fact, if you pick up the DVD and please read what is in the BBFC uh, uh, certificate block on the back.
0: Okay, so it's uh, it's rated 15, and it contains strong language, violence, and sex all involving puppets.
1: Yes. That tells you everything you need to know. I don't know if there's any point giving you a plot synopsis for this film, or giving anybody a plot synopsis film. Okay. This film, all I can say is, it's Team America. Right. It's every... Gung ho, cliched action movie, but with puppets, and it's really funny, and it's semi musical as well. If you, if next time I see you after you've watched that, right, you are not humming montage, so Ronery, uh, or or the title theme tune, uh, or uh, Freedom isn't free, or any of the other amazing Americana. Just they are essentially they're awful songs, right. But they're supposed to be awful, and they're very funny. Okay. Uh, Your main villain is Kim Jong-il. Right. Yeah, a puppet of Kim Jong-il. Okay. Who is essentially played like Cartman. Okay. He's just a petulant little child, uh, and he has a solo song, So Ronery, which is... Amazing. Okay. Uh, I might. Uh, I might see if uh, any enterprising individuals uploaded it to YouTube and provide a link. Okay. Uh, uh, on the blog and uh, and on the Twitter feed.
0: Yeah, it's, it's one of those films that I've I've known about it and yeah. uh, you know, and it's obviously pe- and I've heard people absolutely rave about it. I just never got around to seeing it. Not sure why. Just never never had the chance. So. I
1: wouldn't. I wouldn't rave about it. Why do I like it? I was watching it watching it again the other day in preparation for this because I thought. It's one of those films uh, uh, that I know Tom hasn't seen and I want to watch again anyway because it's been a while since I've seen it and I laughed more than I thought I would.
0: Okay, that's um, always a good sign.
1: It's exactly as offensive as you would think something from the South Park stable would be.
0: Right, I mean, I have to say, I'm I, I'm slightly surprised looking at the DVD that it is actually a 15. because yeah. in, in,
1: in some countries, yeah. they completely missed the point and it was marketed as a kid's film.
0: Oh my God. Really? Yeah. Wait wow, yeah. okay. till
1: you get to the puppet sex scene. Right. We're trying to keep this podcast as family friendly as possible. There are some songs we can't name, there, including the title song. Right, yeah. Uh, there are, we will not be able to repeat any of the jokes. Fair enough. Uh, well, actually, there is, there is one, uh, a running joke, which is like uh, every, the, the leader of Team America is a man called Spotswood. Right. Uh, essentially this is team america kind of like a, a thunderbird style organization okay uh see i like thunderbirds but not related right uh, yeah this is the most messed up episode of thunderbirds you've ever seen okay uh, uh there's the all-american quarterback boy there's uh uh the martial arts expert uh the, the best martial arts guy they could find in detroit <laughs> is his title. um there's the uh the the uh uh, oriental asian girl who's uh who who senses everything right. and there's the the uh the the, the blonde all-american beauty girl mm-hmm. uh and into the, one of the, in the first five minutes one of the member dies okay uh and they need to replace him and mm-hmm. the idea is he is replaced uh he's replaced by the who they think is the greatest actor in the world right thinking he can act like a terrorist and get them information that they right, okay. require and and so on and so forth so this actor guy joins ends up joining this team uh, and there's there's a running joke that uh, Spotswood he compares every potential terrorist threat uh, as it will be 9-11 times a massive number right okay so it's like it'll it'll be 9-11 times a thousand and you know what that means it'll be (laughs) 91,100 right and they do this over and over again okay um, I'll give you a couple of pointers for it. Really, okay. When Kim Jong Il appears, mm-hmm. turn the subtitles on.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Just to see how he has been subtitled. Okay. Uh, and watch to the end of the credits. Right. There's nothing after the credits, but mm. at the uh, during a medley of the of the tracks of the songs plays over the end credits Okay. And after the fade out from montage, yeah. which is the last one in the medley, there's a bonus song that doesn't appear in the film. Okay. Uh, which I didn't realise until I rewatched it because oh, okay. I turned no. off. I turned it off before the end of the credits. Before. <laughs> okay. Is there anything else I can add to this? It's just funny. Is pretty much all I can say. Okay. Uh, it's funny and it's offensive. Um, I hope you laugh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so do I. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it started life as a shot-for-shot, a word-for-word shot, word remake of Armageddon, uh, uh, just with puppets.
0: Okay. That. That. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> right.
1: uh, and and. Uh, Parker and Stone explained this by saying that uh, Jerry Bruckheimer makes comedies, he just doesn't know it. His <laughs> films are inherently funny. Right. And they would... Adding puppets would just make them funnier.
0: Okay, well, yeah, I can kind of see that.
1: Uh, yeah. And they kind of ran into kind of legal troubles doing that. It was yeah. all set to go and then... Uh,
0: yeah, no, I can imagine that Mr. Bruckheimer wouldn't be overly happy with it, I would have thought.
1: One, one of the other uh, uh, things to note about it is um, that director of photography mm-hmm. uh, is Bill Pope right. who's a very highly regarded cinematographer mm-hmm. who works on pretty much all the big budget right. action movies okay. uh, and he took this simply because there's no blue screen or green screen in it and the last three or four films he'd done were just actors standing against green screens
0: really? yeah interesting well that's it for the first show uh, we really hope you enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed doing it uh, if you don't please keep your opinions to yourself yep no haters around here
1: we're just all about loving movies we set up a blog that we're going to try and keep updated with uh, things that are relevant to the movies that we talk about uh, on the show. So I guess it'll be links to trailers and clips and all kinds of uh, wonderful related stuff such as that. Uh, Or at the very least, it'll be somewhere you can go to get hold of the latest episode of the show.
0: The uh, slightly unwieldy address for the blog is haveyouseenpodcast.wordpress.com.
1: I will say that again. It's haveyouseenpodcast.wordpress.com.
0: We're also on Twitter. Uh, all you need to do is follow at H-Y-S podcast Um, again we'll use the Twitter feed to post links to trailers uh, any pieces of information we'll post little fun facts that maybe we didn't cover in the actual podcast itself
1: maybe fun facts about ourselves and each other as
0: well quite possibly yes yes.
1: on next week's show Tom will be reviewing Team America World Police
0: and Kieran will be reviewing The Andromeda Strain that's all from us bye bye bye